I'm Paul Straw, and you're listening to episode number 48 of Does Not Compute. Sean and I have really enjoyed making this show for the last year, and we're super excited about the year ahead. If you've been enjoying it too, please remember to rate and or review us in iTunes. It just takes a minute and is a super, super huge help for the show. One of the other things we really love about making this show is getting to interact with and learn from the community. So please stop by and say hello in the Spec Slack. You can join by signing up at spec.fm slash slack today. So I did something that was awesome a few days ago. I cut a pepper and then immediately afterwards I cut into my thumb while cutting an onion with the same knife. Oh no. It's fine. That sounds miserable. It's fine. But uh, yesterday I did have a chance to meet uh, one of our listeners. He was on his way through town actually um, back to where he lives from Maine. And so we uh, got together and had some dinner. That was pretty cool. Nice. Is that the first time you've done that? Uh, yeah, in person anyway. Yeah, Kevin swung by and we got some dinner. And, and uh, so he was talking about how he is actually applying for like internship slash job next week. So we were talking about um, you know, just like what kind of questions he might happen to face. And he was kind of telling me like his, his journey into getting interested in development and kind of where he came from, where he wants to go. And he said that the show has been encouraging for him. So that was really cool to hear as well. Wait, he's listening to this podcast. Are you sure? Yeah. Huh? Well, he will. He Crazy. Will be. Kevin will hear this and, uh, well, hi Kevin. Probably. <laughs> yeah, he was real cool though. He was he was he was really fun to talk to. He was super down to earth, um, very personal, which I thought was awesome. And the the cool thing was that uh, he said that you know he has been programming for that long, and he showed me some of the stuff, or at least one thing he's worked on. And I was like, wow. I mean, at the point you're at now, I for the amount of time he's been programming, I hadn't done anything near what he had done. So I thought that was pretty cool too. Yeah, man, imposter syndrome gets everybody. Yeah, it does. So it was it was fun for me to be able to encourage him and just kind of tell him like, you know, I've seen people apply for jobs that know far less. <laughs> so uh, you're in a you know in a pretty good position. So, but yeah, that was pretty fun. I think that was I'm pretty sure that was the first time meeting with a listener in person. But even stranger that it's across the country in Vermont too. And just think that never would have happened if you hadn't moved to Vermont. Probably wouldn't have. It's pretty wild. How have things been going with you? I've actually been doing really well. Over the weekend, I put together a uh, uh, my first game, actually, which is getting super close to release. I started it Friday night and had like played for the first time like a legit game last night. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. That came together pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's a relatively simple project. Uh, it's it's based on a game called JS Joust, and basically what that is is it's there's music playing and the music goes slow and fast and you're in a room with a bunch of people and you all have motion sensing controllers and when the music is slow you have to move very slowly when the music is fast you can move more quickly and the goal is to get other people to move their controllers by you know kind of like waving waving at them pushing them around a little bit it's an awesome party game but the problem is the the move controllers are kind of the worst and they just don't connect a lot of the time so i figure Everybody has a phone. I'll uh, I'll just make this with the phones. So people could potentially be running around slapping each other's phones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, I mean, I put a disclaimer saying if you drop your phone, it's not my fault. But uh, we'll see how that goes. I guess. I I think I played that game once or twice, and I think you're right. The controls were kind of finicky. Either it was too sensitive or not sensitive enough. 
someone would just be walking and they would get disqualified or you know someone would basically get punched and nothing would happen yeah um, it's not even just the sensitivity though the, the move controllers are really difficult to connect and disconnect to computers they're a major pain to like actually make them pair oh right you'd think we'd have figured that out by now but you'd think I know Apple's Apple's uh, newest version of keyboards and mice do really well. They do. I'm super impressed with them. And if they ever don't want to connect, you can just plug them back in and then it auto reconnects, which is really cool. Yeah. And then you don't have that problem where someone else is paired. Like, for example, if it's like a company mouse and someone else is already paired with it, you know, good luck finding figuring out whose computer it's connected to at that moment <laughs> when you when you turn it on. But no, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, what tech you been have you been using for that? So I built it out uh, using Vue for the front end, of course. And uh, then for the back end, I actually tried something new. Uh, this is a node-based framework called Feathers. And it is pretty sweet, actually. I've, I really enjoyed using it. Kind of the most amazing thing about it for me was how little code on the server side I had to write. And I haven't set up validations or any super complex logic yet. But to get something that is up and running and exists, I think I wrote it was like 45 lines of code total for the server side. It was absurdly small. Everything else was just done with uh, generators. They have really outstandingly well done generators. You mean like CLI generators? Yeah, yeah. So you can just run like Feathers Generate Service and it'll walk you through setting up an endpoint for a type of thing, basically. That's pretty cool. I always like uh, a tool that has really good CLI generators. That's one thing that impressed me about Rails when I first started learning it was how good the the generators were. Like that was kind of my first introduction to that concept that I could run. At the time, I was running Scaffold. I could run Scaffold and it would did all this work for me. I had no idea that was possible. So I mean, to see that you can do something like that in 40 some lines, like you said, that's pretty wild. Yeah, every single endpoint was just like, okay, I need to do this tiny bit of logic here, but the rest of it all is all just rest and crud. So that's set up. That's just handled for me. And I assume most of the logic is around like picking which room someone needs to join or something like that, right? Yeah, it's just stuff like Procedural um, stuff. setting yeah, setting the room a user is in, setting the their player ID and just kind of session level things. That was almost all the logic I had to write. So what was the hardest thing do you think about that? I think the hardest thing, as is usually the case with new tech, was just learning the new tech because I didn't understand the concepts. I didn't understand the language and the terminology they were using. It's like I know I know what all these things are after I read through the docs, but they call them different things than what I'm used to. Um, and so it was, you know, it was a lot of time spent reading the docs, way more time than it would have been if I was already familiar with with that framework. But uh, but no, I'm I'm super impressed with it. It's been a lot of fun to work with. Well, I mean, I mean, coming from you, that's that's super high praise too. Because I think maybe I've shown you one thing in the past that you actually liked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I can be a little bit picky, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, they they did a great job. Docs are pretty thorough, and my understanding is that it's a relatively new project. I think maybe this year, even. Yeah, I remember hearing about it at some point. Someone someone sent it to me, but I didn't have a use for it, so I didn't really store it in my brain. I just when you mentioned feathers, I know that I have looked at the the site before. Yeah, and what what's really cool about it is that it's not just it's not just REST. It also has real time like baked in as a core feature of the framework. Like it ships. Th their hello world is doing real-time stuff, which I think is I think that's so cool having something very focused on not just being a resty server. Yeah, exactly because I mean you've mentioned it before like if you're gonna do rest, you're gonna do rails because you're so familiar and fluent with it. So um, that was why initially I was surprised that you went with uh, something that was not rails 
because like you said, the most of the time then becomes reading documentation and familiarizing yourself with what they, what terminology that they have, you know? So yeah, no, I thought it was, that it was pretty cool because uh, most of your projects have been rails just because it's, you know, you know it so well. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, and, you know, I've wanted to do some more node real timey kind of stuff for a while. Just haven't had an opportunity or a great project. So when I thought of this, I was like, yeah, this is kind of the perfect, it's real time anyway. So I'm either going to be using action cable and kind of shoehorning real time into rails or I can just go for it and dive in. Did you mess with Action Cable at all? I have in the past a little bit, but just just like Hello Worlds, not not actually going into uh, never actually like building anything out professionally. I haven't really looked at it much, but it didn't really interest me to be honest. I don't know. I don't know why. I I saw a few um, articles like, yeah, you can do this with Action Cable, but it never really pulled me in enough to click on the links. So. Yeah, I mean, Action Cable seems interesting to me, and it's definitely a cool thing. I'm glad they added it to Rails. But at the end of the day, Ruby isn't necessarily set up great to do a ton of async stuff, and Rails especially isn't set up great to do async stuff. The little bit I've used it, and and when I've kind of looked into it in more depth, it's really just felt shoehorned in. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, we need to toss this in there as well to have a real-time component. Not like something like Feathers, where it was built from the ground up with real-time in mind. Right. And that's why I haven't been super intrigued by it because it's kind of one of those things where you want to use the right tool for the right job. In a while, you can use Action Cable and, you know, some people are excited about it. And while you can do uh, that stuff with Action Cable, like you said, it's just kind of was added to the equation because other things had it. And I don't want to say feature envy, you know, because some people, you know, can legitimately benefit from having it. But to me, it seems like, is it really necessary for what the core of what Rails is, the core of what Rails does? You know, to me, it seems kind of like a me too feature, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, not to not to diss Action Cable or whatever. That's not my intent there. But I'm sure I'm going to use it at some point in the future, as a matter of fact, because I know that one day one of these Rails apps that I've built out will need some sort of real time component. And if it's there, and it works well, then there's no reason to not use it. But if I'm building something from the ground up, I think it only makes sense to kind of look at what the best tool for that particular application is. Exactly. And I think that's where I was headed with that too, is that, you know, since you're starting from scratch, it might as well start with something that has has that kind of idea of real time from the very beginning, as opposed to something that was kind of added in. Now, by all means, if you have a Rails app that's already going, you don't want to rewrite, you know, because that's much more costly. You would just use Action Cable. But yeah, no, I, I mean, originally, that's why I thought it was so interesting because I don't think, I mean, you've I've seen you use Node for a few things, but um, mostly it's been Rails. So I thought that was pretty cool. What about you, Sean? What have you, uh, what have you been up to lately? Getting ready for... The big launch of the thing I've been working on for the, the last year of my life it doesn't feel real, but uh, this weekend things are going to be <laughs> going live, and maybe I'll share more on that next week. Uh, but yeah, so just kind of getting busy or being busy around that, kind of tightening things up. But in my free time to kind of decompress, I've been and you kind of goaded me about this because I built this thing four times now. <laughs> in various uh, versions, but I'm working on my guitar journaling app because recently I've been getting into practicing more uh, like scheduled practices, just kind of structured practices. And I built a Rails app uh, in the past where I could catalog exercises. I could, could tab them out and keep them there and search through them and stuff. Um, but 
when I was younger, I was always told that if you're if you're training training yourself with a skill that takes a lot of time and repetition, it's really easy to become discouraged because if you're so close to the thing, it's hard to see actual progress. Um, and so I was always told that it's best to keep a journal and write down like certain things, like certain attributes of what you're practicing, so that way you can kind of go back and look at progress whenever you feel discouraged. So I decided to change the app that I was building from kind of an exercise catalog to more of a, a journey journal, I guess. I don't even, that's kind of a stupid name, but basically you just kind of journal in it and then you can enter any attributes. So if you're journaling about guitar, you can enter like duration and repetition and style and difficulty and all that stuff. So each journal entry can have different attributes. And then uh, eventually if you want to, you'll be able to create more than one journal. So say if you're working on your physical fitness and you want to journal about, you know, trying to run your first 5k or whatever, you can do that. And then you can actually see like historical, um, improvements. Do you have a name for it yet? Uh, it changes. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I'll have to ask you about that next week. Uh, well this morning I was thinking about it and, uh, Exodus popped into my mind because it's like a journey, but it has a purpose behind it. Like, you want to go somewhere with it. It's not like you're just kind of wandering. Um, so that makes sense. That's the I like that a lot. Yeah, it's the first the first thing that popped in my head anyway. Uh, because originally it was guitar oriented, but it'd be easy enough. I mean, the back end is already set up to have multiple journals per user, so might as well um, abstract that out and let people track whatever they want with it. So uh, you asked me about my tech stack. What's yours? Um, okay, so I'm using Happy JS again, uh, node based, and I feel like since the last time I used, I don't know what changed, but it, it kind of just clicked for me this time. Maybe it was just that it was my second time approaching it, and so I didn't have to hit the docs completely fresh. Um, yeah, so I'm using Happy JS to actually make the API. Um, it's separated into two kind of code bases. One is the API, and one is the front end client, which is written in Vue. Yeah, so I'm using Happy for the server, Vue for the client, and I'm using actually Mongo, which is my first time using Mongo for the database. You know, I've actually noticed that same thing that you mentioned with approaching a language or a framework for the second time. It's kind of ridiculous how much easier it usually is the second time around when you're looking at something new. And e even if you don't read about it a lot in the interim between those two attempts, or y you just kind of let it sit, you know, I think somehow that actually, at least for me, makes it so much easier to approach the second time. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because you're not so focused or you're not so kind of engulfed in everything. So you can kind of see more things around you, if that makes sense. It's like if you're if you're walking through the woods and you're following a path, the first time you're going to pre be pretty focused on the path because you don't want to get lost. But the second time, or the more familiar you become with that path, you can start to look around you and notice things, which I think really helps. So for me, the funny enough uh, for me is I went through ha I went from Rails to kind of Node and Happy, then I jumped into Elixir for a little bit in Phoenix, and I was reading about plugs and and how with Elixir you have plugs, which is basically a module that always accepts the same things and always returns the same things. Uh, so the contract is always the same. And so when I started looking into Happy, I started realizing that Happy is pretty similar to Plug in that what you have is you have routes and then you have a handler function and the handler function always accepts the same arguments and it always returns the same things. And so you can kind of extract that into plugins and Happy is actually really focused around plugins. Everything you write you can turn into a plugin, and that's not that's not to be confused with middleware because Express you would use lots of middleware, and middleware kind of plugs in and changes things for you. But 
Um, that's a little bit different than writing a plugin in Happy. So a good way to explain this would be if you had, say, a store and you wanted to write a plugin to handle payment processing and you wanted to write a plugin to handle shipping. The plugin for payment processing would take the request object, it would take any options, and it would take the a next function, which just kicks it off uh, to the next step in the stack. And so your your payment processing plugin would be totally isolated, and all of the logic contained there would not have anything. It would not know about any shipping. It can be completely decoupled. So in a way, it's kind of like mini uh, microservices, I guess. So once I noticed that similarity between plug, because plug was super confusing to me at first for for some reason. Uh, but once I noticed that plugins were just like plug, I was like, oh, it takes the request object, modifies it, and sends it off to the next thing. It just kind of clicked. So then it wasn't so hard to share a database connection across my application or share different things that I needed to access because I would just make my plugin and then it would it would just kind of translate across the application. And a big shout out to Loken in our uh, Slack because he kind of helped me figure that out. He was like, you should you should do this as a plugin. And then that kind of pushed me back into the docs for that. But yeah, he was uh, he was nice enough to to check out my source code and he filed an issue with some some thoughts on that and he kind of pushed me in that direction. But yeah, for some reason it just clicked. And I think, you know, studying Elixir and Plug and then having it dawn on me that that's, the contract is pretty much the same for Happy um, made it really easy to build this thing out. That's really cool. What are your What are some of the things that you really like about Happy? Because you've been talking about it in pretty glowing terms to me lately. Uh, so there's a couple of things. Number one would be the plugin kind of idea or philosophy that I just talked about. Just having having plugins that take the requests and options and then continue on the stack, but also being able to uh, since this, the functionality is baked into Happy, it makes it really easy to, to separate your your application into small pieces that work together really well. And so that way, if you're testing stuff, or let's say you write a payment processor and it's terrible, you don't have to touch lots of pieces of your application. You just write a new plugin that, and then swap it out. Like nothing else needs to know about anything changing. Sure, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And uh, it actually kind of in some ways sounds similar to Feathers. Which is which is pretty interesting. Feathers, a lot of your logic goes into what they call hooks, and so a hook can happen either before or after a request. So the case where you'd want to do a before hook is if, for example, when a user creates an object, you want to make sure that they're creating it associated right. with their account or something like that. When you set up a before hook, you get the request payload passed into your app. And then you can mutate it as you need to and return an error or, or continue to pass it on. And then in after hooks, it's kind of a similar concept, but that they're very useful for doing things like fetching associations. So you can look at the data that's being returned back to the client and then transform that on its way out, which is a, a pretty cool structure. It's a great way of looking at things. Yeah, it's just kind of like a pipeline. You know, your data comes in and then you operate on it and then just continue on, which really resonates for me. I, it just seemed to click. Again, I mean, I kind of didn't really get it the first time. And then I looked at Elixir and Plug and how Phoenix specifically works with plugs and how it's just a pipe. Everything comes in, there's just a request object and everything mod- like grows and modifies off of the request object itself. And I think that was maybe the first time that concept was introduced to me without having any magic around it. It just was this thing that just continued. It was like a community dish. You either put something in it or took something out of it and passed it on to the next person, right? And I mean, obviously Rails has the request pipeline, but there's so much more, so much more of it's hidden from you, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a totally different way of thinking. Specifically with Rails, you're writing a lot of controller code, 
pretty often. Oh, hopefully not too much, but you will write a fair bit of it. And with with feathers, and it sounds like happy as well, you that concept doesn't even really exist. You just kind of modify data as it passes through, and it doesn't matter where it came from or where it's going. You just know what the data looks like and what you want to do to it. Exactly. And in, in my case, there are certain endpoints where I need to make sure, like, for example, if a user is doing CRUD on an entry and an entry belongs to a journal, then I need to make sure that a user posting to an entry actually owns the journal that the entry belongs to. Uh, and so I did it twice. The first time I kind of in line in the handler, I, I wrote that logic, which is not really where it belongs. And the second time uh, I wrote a plugin just called uh, Verify Ownership. So when a request happens and certain criteria are met, I actually get the IDs from the the routes and then I check to see those match up to the current user sending the request. Uh, and I get the user's ID from the, I'm using JWT tokens. So the token comes in, the journal ID comes in and the entry ID comes in and I match all of the ownership. And then if, if it matches, it just continues on. And if it doesn't, um, and this is the second thing that I like about Happy quite a bit is that they really kind of, uh, run with the idea of of convention over configuration, uh, and in Node that seemed to be not what I experienced a lot until I found Happy. And so the cool thing is they have the Happy people wrote Happy and they maintain it, but they also write a number of blessed libraries that are maintained by people within the same organization. So you could use them with other tech, but they just plug into Happy really well. And in this case, a library called Boom is for error handling. Say someone posts to an entry they shouldn't and they don't own, instead of custom handling that error, like if error, then reply and then automatically or set the statics code by hand, I would use boom. I would do something like boom.badrequest. And bad request would have the status set. It would have an error message set, which you could customize if you wanted to. But I basically don't. All I do is make sure that I'm using the right boom error, like boom dot not found or something or boom dot unauthorized and the status and response is completely uniform every time it goes back to the client and i didn't have to do anything besides import a package and use it so that's i guess the second thing i really like about happy is the boom package is really great the joy package for param it's basically like strong params for happy is super nice it's very very robust um, but it seems like every, for everything that you might want to do for your app, there is a blessed package for it that just plugs in and works. Yeah, I'm I'm just really uh, I'm really liking this brave new world of writing a lot less server side code. It feels pretty great. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So there's there's lots of other plugins that people have made, and I haven't really ventured into them yet. Uh, but some of them being like, okay, you're using Happy and you're using Mongo. Well, we're going to, okay, so if you're using Mongoose on top of Mongo, for every Mongoose model you might have, we'll automatically generate CRUD routes for you. Uh, to me, I was like, I don't want that right now. I don't need that in my life. So I didn't use it. But there's there's plenty of options available. So it's kind of interesting that you can pick and choose how much work, in a sense, you actually want to do around this. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Does Not Compute. If you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate a rating or review in iTunes. It only takes a minute. Remember to check out all the other awesome shows on the Spec Network by visiting spec.fm today. While you're there, you can sign up for our community chat at spec.fm slash slack. Sean and I would love to say hello.
Sure. I haven't really looked into it much. Um, it didn't really honest me. Or, I haven't really looked at Oh, my God. I'm falling apart now. <laughs> 